You're listening to Boca Banner, a photography podcast with Joe High and Chris Golden. On this episode... And then it says, if the bear starts to eat you, run as fast as you can. I'm like, oh my gosh, why did we have to word it like this? We're back. Yes, back at it again. This is fun. Yeah. I'm glad that you came here to my office this time. This definitely seems like a much better suited setup with like the photos on the wall. You've got your beautiful landscape calendar over here. There's less Game Boys. Less Game Boys, less pink. That wasn't a, yeah, there's more white walls here, less pink. The Game Boys weren't a problem, just putting that out there. Oh yeah. I didn't have a problem with the Game Boys. (laughs) I think there's actually a Nintendo controller behind you. I I noticed that there's a Nintendo 64 controller behind me, but no Nintendo 64, that poor lonely soul. Well, it's because that's a USB. Really? Yeah, so I'd play it with like an emulator on my machine. That's fantastic. Yeah, play some Ocarina of Time and you wanted to play it in the classic 64 theme. Very nice. That's pretty cool. You know, it's actually kind of interesting about that. This is definitely not what we were intending on talking today, but I guess that's just where we wound up. This is conversation, man. It's real. Do you know what started me in photography? Nintendo 64? Pokemon Snap on Nintendo 64. That is really hilarious. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) That game uh... was probably popular for what, like two weeks? Well, it's kind of like a cult classic sort of thing, because it was the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that you could actually see these creatures in like three dimensions. So like oh. the entire time it's been on the Game Boy, these little pixelated sprites. It's been on the television show as like flat images. And then all of a sudden you've got these 3D uh, 3D models running all over the place. And it's like it's not just art of Pikachu. That's a Pikachu that you can throw a little apple at or a gas bomb or Your whatever you want to. A gas bomb? You haven't played Pokemon Snap, have you? Why would you throw a gas bomb in Pokemon? To make them do silly things and get better points. It's not a very good game, looking back that on it. sounds It's evil. not exactly a positive message. <laughs> that sounds evil. Well, they call it the Pester Ball, so it's more meant to be an annoyance than anything else. But you definitely knock some out. Wow. Okay. I mean, I thought it was evil when you would play Pokemon on the Game Boy and throw rocks at Pokemon when you're in the Safari because you didn't have actually Pokemon to fight the Pokemon. That's so you true. Just, you threw a rock at them to make it easier to catch yep, them. Yep, the strategy is either to give it food or just plain old throw rocks at it. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. No, so. no. This is, this is a photography podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how was your Christmas? Fantastic. Fantastic. Not a lot of photography related things, but a lot of other niceties that I really enjoyed. I got a really nice watch that my wife gave me. It's a very photogenic watch. Yes. See see how I tied it in there? Hey, not bad. I'd gotten a lot of like kind of nicer, dressier clothes for uh, really anything, but I kind of like to think of it for like events and stuff like that. A nice, not exactly a pea coat. I think a pea coat's like a a feminine version. It's not quite a trench coat, like a longer kind of button up. What you were wearing today? Yeah, it looked looked more professional. Yeah, the cap tied it together. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it feels weird going to an event and wearing like this giant, big, puffy winter coat. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like if you're like something a little classier or, yeah. or something like that. That's true. I don't really have a good coat for like winter weddings. If I, I just wear my coat outside, and then when we go inside, then I've got like my suit on, and there's just nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's fair. I did have a really nice winter coat until I second shot a wedding for you uh in the winter and i totally left my jacket at the venue and then like two weeks later the venue closed before i realized where i'd lost it and when they opened back up for the next wedding season they're like oh we don't know what happened to it yeah it's funny the only time that i've had things lost on shoots is when you're with me really 
I'm not accusing you of anything, <laughs> but this is this is how it's worked out. Like, I've, boy, that's terrible. What did you lose? We lost an umbrella once. Remember that in in uh, at that really artsy place. It was a winter shoot. Maybe it's oh, not you. Maybe yeah. it's winter shoots because maybe this was it a December is. thing. Yeah, it's easy to lose things in the snow. My Christmas, <laughs> my Christmas was uh, also not a, a photography related one. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. I got um, no G7X, huh? No G7X. Still gotta, still gotta wait for that. Um, I did get some trekking poles, which I know I will use on some photography excursions. Trekking poles is in like a like, like hiking a walking poles? stick almost. Well, like two of them. Oh. You use them when you're you're hiking. It's, I mean, it's not it's not for people who can't walk without them. It it helps you hike. You you're distributing the weight, um, not mm. all on your knees, so you can hike further. And it helps you especially when you're going downhill. Oh, you have, it's like having four feet. Yeah. So you, it's it's harder to slip and fall. Have which, you ever used them before, or is this the first time? I've used them before. Yeah, and not these specific ones because I I just got them, mm-hmm. but. But yes, they do help a lot. Usually if I'm hiking and especially if we're hiking in like the mountains for like photos or whatnot. Yeah. Um, if I don't have trekking poles, I'll just find like two sticks that can serve as trekking poles. Yeah. So, Probably good to keep the bears away too, I'd imagine. Uh, we, we try to use we try to <laughs> use bear spray for that. Not just, I mean, if a grizzly's charging at you and you have a stick, guess who's going to win? The bear <laughs> who doesn't have a stick. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, I did get a... I, I don't think I told you this. I got a book. My wife gave me a book on all of these recipes for old fashioned, like the cocktail and the lore. I didn't realize there were that many different recipes. Apparently for there are. I mean, a lot of them I noticed are basically the same thing, but they're just with different types of whiskey. Okay. But a few of them have varieties that are actually interesting. There's a few made with like, um, I think there's one made with brandy and vodka and they, 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 they mix it up a little bit. Apparently, there's like the classic old-fashioned and the modern old-fashioned. Interesting. Um, yeah. I like whiskey, and she thought, yeah, let me get this for Joe. And then it has all of this history and lore of like how the old-fashioned came to be. Oh, wow. It's actually it was, it's, it's fun. Does it actually like shake it up a whole bunch, or is it like recipe one, sugar, whiskey, bitters, orange peel, and then recipe two is like honey, whiskey? No, no. Like every every recipe has its own little backstory. Oh, and like the first part of the book, the first fourth of the book is just like the history of the old fashioned as a whole. Hmm. So now I'm spoiled. We went, um, we went to a, 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 a restaurant and had a bar and we got some fries and chicken wings and whatnot. And I said, I want an old fashioned, but now I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm now, in the now know. Now you're in the know. Yes. Yeah. You're so part I'm like, of like I want an old fashioned club. Yep. Yep. I felt, I felt like I could be a true snob about it. I was <laughs> like, I want a classic old fashioned. Can you do that? And she's like, the waitress was like, what do you mean? I'm like. A classic old-fashioned, like one big chunk of ice right in the middle of it. Yep. Two dashes of bitters with the orange peel or the lemon peel spritzed in there and then mixed around the edges and then put in. But what I got was basically a whiskey on the rocks with a maraschino cherry on it. That's unfortunate. It was unfortunate. Wow. That's okay. Was it good? No. Oh. It really wasn't. But But I didn't want to be an extra snob and send it back. That's tough. I've I've sent food back before. I've never sent a drink back before. That just seems like extra level. I for I me. thought that would just be a whole new level. Yeah. She actually said like if you don't like it, then just just let me know and I won't charge you for it. And I tasted it and I'm like this is not good, but I'm like I don't want to be that guy. Not no, not tonight. <laughs> There's some nights you want to be that guy, but most yeah. nights no. Hey, should we t- we should we talk about our our drink for yeah, the show? Yeah. What, what do we what do we got right now? We I mean this is obviously not videotaped, but we have our little cocktails for this show this is a hot toddy chris 
Okay. Made one for you. It's got a nice cinnamon stick in it. It's a very, very simple drink with whiskey. Mm. It's whiskey, honey, lemon juice, and hot water. It's like a whiskey lemon tea. Oh, are we, is this going to be slurp, an ASMR podcast you gotta now? you got to slurp into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is quite delicious. It's a great little winter drink. I actually didn't put honey in it because we had some American honey wild turkey. My wife gave me that for Christmas too. Nice. Mm-hmm. Boy, your wife knows you quite well. Yep. Whiskey and books on cocktails and... Hiking sticks. Hiking sticks. Actually, my brother got me the hiking sticks. Mm. But uh, she got me a pipe, too. Like a like a smoking pipe. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Which surprised me. I'm like, you're cool with this? She's like, yeah, I think it's charming. I'm like, well, great. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. But no, no camera stuff. No camera stuff. We should probably start talking about some photo stuff, though. That's probably... We've had at least two different cases of animal abuse brought up in this beginning part of the podcast. Abusing Pokemon and... What was the other one? Sticking bears. Oh, st- <laughs> That's in defense, though. That's not abusive bears. That's true. All of you pro-bearers out there. Bears are terrifying. We're sorry, man. but yeah, grizzly bears are quite scary. <laughs> man, I've got black bears in my yard every once in a while, and even just seeing them, like, way out in the distance... It's just like, ah, I'm just going to stay inside for now. Yeah. Have you ever seen a grizzly bear? Nope. And I plan to never. They're enormous. They're enormous bears. I fortunately have yet to see an actual grizzly bear while I'm hiking. Mm-hmm. I have seen some large brown bears, fortunately, at a distance. Well, one was at not too much of a distance, actually. That was uncomfortable. And she had cubs, too. But she, we were fine. We were fine. But... It's if you ever go to this is kind of photography related. We'll just segue into this sure. naturally. If you ever go to a national park, which is a great option if you want to go and get some uh, wildlife or landscape photos, um, if you're going into a place with a backcountry option, like some some don't like Acadia National Park. There's really no backcountry. It's all trails. It's right? all trails, right? But if you go somewhere like Grand Teton or Yellowstone or Yosemite or uh, Glacier National Park. And you're going into the backcountry to do like backcountry adventure camping. Like mm-hmm. everything you take in with you, you got to carry in and carry out. Everything. Um, the first thing they do is they sit you in this little dark room with like two other strangers who are doing the same thing as you. And they basically show you a video of safety t- safety stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, one of the lines in when we went to Glacier, one of the lines is, okay, if a bear comes at you, um, here's step one, here's step two. And if the bear continues to come at you, then get down on your, like crouch down in like a fetal position with your back in the air, with your backpack above you. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully the bear will just lose interest in you. And then it says, if the bear starts to eat you, (laughs) run as fast as you can. I'm like, oh my gosh, why did we have to word it like this? They didn't just say like, if the the bear- Not if the bear starts to maul you. Or even if the bear like, Attacks you. Attacks you or something, you know, more generic. No. If the bear starts to eat you, run away. If the bear starts to eat you. I don't actually know what the the result was after that. I just looked at my hiking buddy and we're like, okay. Wow. If the bear starts to eat you, it's too late. Yeah. Basically, (laughs) if the bear starts to eat you, then just pray. Yep. Pray it's fast. So, yeah, fortunately, we didn't see any bears. But for those of you who are looking to do a National Parks excursion in the backcountry, they're going to scare you a lot about bears. 
but it's it's okay. Like bear, it's actually very rare for a bear to um, attack you mm-hmm. to eat you. <clears throat> it does happen, but it's actually very rare. Now we can't bring up you going into a national park and bears and bear spray and not have you tell me the story you told me a while back. Well, you want to talk about traveling for photos today? Sure, that sounds good to so me. We're kind of already in that. All right. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, you got to get in on this too, but I don't know. I don't know how much travel you've done in the mountains. Next to none. All right. Well, maybe you can interview me. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, Joe, tell me about okay. So, your bear spray misadventures with bear spray. Okay. Have you ever? Um, well, do you know what bear spray is? First of all, it, it's like a very concentrated form of pepper spray except it shoots even further yeah it's like supercharged pepper spray it's 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 much hotter it sprays um it's it's more emitted in a spray and it shoots further Mm -hmm. and the idea is not actually to um like blind the bear the idea is that it it actually irritates skin Mm -hmm. it's like if if you're eating like hot wings you know how your lips burn yep it's that same idea except you know it, it can be anywhere it's everywhere yeah so it also says on the bear spray canisters, which you are required to have if you go into the backcountry, you can rent them or buy them. The bear um, spray? The bear spray, yeah. What did I say? No, no, no. I was just clarifying that we were talking about the same thing. It seems odd that you would rent a product like this. Well, if you don't use it, you can return it, which huh. is actually a good point yeah, to the story. Wow. Because okay. you, you you can't fly with them. And we were out of state, oh, so we couldn't, gotcha. we couldn't, there was no point in buying one. Yeah. Probably not allowed on the airplane. We probably could have, I don't know, it probably would have cost about the same. We might have saved like five bucks if we rented it. But anyways, um, so we rented it. And it says right on the canister that you should know how to use this before going into the back country. And apparently yeah. there's like a, at these places that give them to you, they have like a dud canister and they'll show you how to take the, the like, the grenade needle off of the thing. Um, it's not, it's not like that, but there's some, it's not like an aerosol can where you just point it and spray. Well, there's a lock at first. There's like a a zip lock thing, a zip tie or something that that's probably a good idea. So you don't just bump it and it goes and gets everywhere in your tent. Mm -hmm. So you have to rip that thing off and then you can shoot it and it will shoot for like five to seven seconds if you just hold it down. Wow. And they'll show you how to do this at these places that you get them with a dud canister so you can go through and you know how to actually use it, but it won't actually spray obviously because you're in like a gift shop. But we didn't do that because of whatever circumstances I can't really remember. We didn't have the opportunity to get shown how to use it, but we did have the canister. Mm-hmm. So I'm hiking along in here and we had just started on our trail and I was like, you know, we should probably know how to use this. How about I just give it a little spritz just real quick, you know, save plenty for an actual bear should we need it. Of course. But just so we know what it's like so we're not going in blind. So the first mistake that you made was tearing off this little rip cord that you probably couldn't put back in, right? Right, which is why I couldn't return it either. <laughs> the, um, the the second mistake that I made is that there was a slight breeze and it was coming at me. So I was like, Psh, oh man, that goes pretty far. Ow. Oh, ow, ow, ow. And then I felt like it was so light, but it felt like I had gotten sunburned in like four seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to wash it off and it's all oily and Ooh, stuff. And, and it's like that that tingly feeling. It's yeah, not, it's it's a not burn. like, oh. It felt like a sunburn. It felt like a sun. I actually thought that I had like sunburned myself despite only being out for like 20 minutes. Did you have any other companions? Fortunately, no. My my buddy was smart enough to say like, well, I'm going to stand over here That's while you test it. I'm like, move. okay, okay, fine. I'll be the smart one. <laughs> <laughs>
And then when we when we brought it back, we told the guy, yeah, we did actually spray it a little bit, but there's plenty left for the next guy. He's like, you sprayed this? We're like, yeah. We, we needed to know that we could use it. He's like, this shouldn't even be in the room right now. <laughs> if you've already sprayed it. Apparently this stuff is so potent. You've got right? quite a chemical bomb. Oh Boy. my, we had it in the tent, man. <laughs> we didn't know that this was a thing. Just throw it at the bottom of the backpack, the laptop's there, Big camera's deal. there. Big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, bear spray. Great photography tips. Know how to use bear spray. And don't get eaten by bears. Well, I mean, that that is a genuinely good point for any type of, like, nature or wildlife photography, is you have to know your environment. I mean, I certainly haven't done too much wildlife photography, but, I mean, as much care goes into professional wildlife photography as... Uh, a hunter would take and masking your scent, checking your trails, knowing where the good spots are. Yes. There's also a large, um, a lot of wildlife photography is actually taken in areas where the animals aren't as scared, Mm -hmm. either because it's so excluded that they just don't know enough to be scared of animals or they are so used to people going by that they're like, man, whatever. Hmm. Like we saw more than one moose while we were out there and, um, it's not recommended, but you, you could have walked right up on them. That would have been stupid, but you could have done it. Did your training video go over moose procedure? Actually, I think it was generally like, you know, don't don't touch the wildlife. Well, yeah, I'd assume as much. It was like a bear or, a, you know, there was there's all sorts of wildlife procedures. Like you hang your, your food on these poles that they have set up and they're arranged in such a way that it'd be very difficult or impossible for a a bear to like climb up and eat your food, but it's also for things like squirrels and and mice and such. I've heard that, um, I've got a few friends up in Canada and I've heard that like moose are as much of a problem for like motorists and stuff and just day-to-day life as deer are for us. Like they'll just jump out in front of you. They, they're always obnoxious and hanging out in your yard and doing, they have moose crossing signs. Yeah, that that's and they're massive. They're absolutely massive they're beasts. They're huge. They're they're as like as big as a Clydesdale. I kid you not. Wow. They're enormous animals, and they do run out in the road. Like you think you're scared driving around this area when we're worried about white-tailed deer deer jumping out. Imagine mm-hmm. the the I'm horse, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a horse with antlers. <laughs> with what what's what was the other thing? Um, I want to I want to say caribou, but that's not it. Um. Elk? Elk, yes. Having an elk jump out in front of you, that happened too. Mm-hmm. Except it was a doe. Oh. So, you know, you look at an elk and you kind of know that an elk looks like an elk because of all the huge antlers. Mm-hmm. Well, does didn't have that. And this just freak of nature creature jumped out in front. <laughs> we're just like, <gasps> what is that? Wow. Yeah. It was a great trip. I highly recommend traveling for photography. I, I recommend traveling. In period. general. In general, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about travel. See, now your idea of fun travel photography is the exact opposite of my idea of like fun travel photography. I'd love to go to a city and take my camera, but I'm always too nervous to actually bring out any of my equipment in a place that one, I'm unfamiliar with, and two, is kind of known for not being the safest place in the world. Well, you should go to safer places. You're probably right, but like... Are you talking like street photography then? Not even street photography, but just like architectural buildings, um... That kind of thing. Like cityscapes. Cityscapes, yes. Uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Like the the wide cityscapes, like the New York City, like skylines. Like that doesn't really interest me all that much because everybody's done it. But I don't know. I mean, I I would love just to go somewhere 
even in our area, like Rochester, Albany, I love just kind of walking around with my camera and taking shots, but I don't know the areas well enough to know, like, this is a safe place to walk around with obviously thousands of dollars with photography equipment. So I'll usually end up bringing like, you know, one of my cheaper T3Is or, you know, lower quality glass, but makes sense. It, it doesn't motivate me as much. Does it have to be, I'm trying to think of like recommendations for you now. Does it have to be a place that has um, skyscrapers? No, not at all. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite photos that I've taken is just a sunrise in front of the Albany Capitol building mm-hmm. looking down the street. I like if I've you were walking right down it. I think I've shown it to you before. It's not my favorite photo, but it's one of my favorite photos that I've taken. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have photos like that. Like it's not like a, a great picture but it means something to you. The emotional connection is. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Like I really enjoyed my walk that morning. I remember every single thing about it. I remember where I went to get coffee. I remember what time I woke up and got around. I was there on a business trip. So I remember everything from the business trip, unfortunately, but uh, (laughs) I I remember just this nice, peaceful, relaxing morning that I had. And then this beautiful sunrise that I got to see over the state Capitol. And it was just a, a cool moment for me, even though it's not a great photo. It meant a lot. Yeah, no, I have I have photos like that. I have landscape photos like that. Just mm-hmm. the the actual photo quality of it, or the composition, or the time of day was wrong, or something, you know. But it what it was just brings back some really nice memories. Right. I have photos that do the opposite too. Like, In what sense? Well, like, do you have you ever taken a photo that's like a really good photo and people really like it, mm-hmm. but you remember the story behind it and it has a bad taste in your mouth? Oh, I see. Like you, you take a great wedding photo and the couple was just not the greatest to work with or something along those lines. Yeah, I'm thinking of a picture of the um, the Bass Harbor Lighthouse, which is in Acadia mm-hmm. in, in Maine, uh, Acadia National Park. Actually, it's just technically outside the park, but that's beside the point. Pretty lighthouse. You see it in like, you know, road atlas and stuff. And um, there's just a very small area of, of rock before you just you know, fall in the water because you're right on the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like you fall 2,000 feet. You just, the water is right there. But there was literally, I, I think there was literally about 40 photographers on this tiny little space. Wow. All trying to get the same shot. And they were all, all but one was respecting like this invisible line that if you crossed it, you would be in somebody else's photos. And the one person got quite a telling off. Um, oh, I can imagine. But that she was a she was a, a pain in the neck for a while, and there was a lot of people that weren't being as polite, and they were like pushing their way, trying to get their tripods in there. And it was, I'm very much introverted. Mm-hmm. The landscape photos that I like to take are the ones where there's not a soul around. There's, oh, there's not a soul. Like you get up at dawn, you go to the lake shore, and you watch the sunrise over the mountains, and you take some pictures. But you're there for an hour, mm-hmm. not because you need it for the photos, but just because there's no one else there. That's a beautiful feeling. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about traveling for, for photos. Like that is my ideal. If I could do something of, of photography and money was not an issue, like I didn't have to worry about how much it paid, mm-hmm. I would totally do landscape travel photography. Mm-hmm. Landscapes, no people. I would take pictures of mountains and valleys and rivers and waterfalls and oceans. That would be my life. If, if money was not an issue and I didn't have to worry about how much I spent or how much I made, that's what I would do. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Do you think that you enjoy the travel more or the photography more? 
That's a good question. It depends on which part of the travel you're referring to. Because I hate airports. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's that's one thing. But like the adventure, the hike, the ambience, the wildlife, flora, fauna, everything else that goes into getting to the shot, apart from the human interaction side of things. If you could just appear in one location and just hike to take your photo, what do you think? I would want to hike. Yeah. I'd want to, I'd want to travel. I want to on foot travel to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some places that you can go in these, by the way, this country has awesome national parks. I want to see all of them Mm -hmm. and I recommend you see them all. Is that a bucket list for you, Joe? Uh, yes. I mean, there's some that I'm not as interested in, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's quite a number that I plan on going with, uh, Rhea to see them or, or going by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it's, there's gorgeous landscapes in this country. Um, but I would not want to, cause what I was going to say is in these national parks, there are plenty of spaces and I have photos from these spaces where you can just drive up and take a picture and they're not even that trafficked by tourism. So right. you can have it pretty much to yourself, but it's not the same as something that you found that you just walked up on and, Oh, there it is. Yeah. And there's no, there's no signs showing you the history of it. Um, there's no like, you know, Angela you're stumbling upon here. this area. Yeah. You just walk up and you're like, holy crap, I'm on top of a mountain. I can see three states. Boy, I bet you feel like an actual pioneer or something like at that point. Yeah. I like, mean, you no know, sign of humanity around you for a while. Yep. You've found this beautiful vista. You feel very raw, mm-hmm. like very, I don't want to say wild, but you feel very, it feels very right. It feels very, um, natural. Yeah. Especially after you've having to take a dump on top of one of those mountains. Then you just like, <laughs> okay, I'm obviously totally comfortable here. <laughs> yep. Yep. What would you do if you didn't have to worry about paycheck? Would you, would you travel to different cities or if you specifically with photos, mm-hmm. if you could do, if you could do any type of photography and it was just handed to you, like you now have the opportunity and the resources to pursue this type of photography, what would it be? Would it be weddings? I don't think so. Because in a wedding, you are the furthest thing from the priority in the world. That is very true. Like, no one cares about the photographer, I mean. I, I guess that's one thing, but like you're, you're documenting somebody else's amazing moment. People care that the photographer does a good job. Right. But the day isn't about the photographer. Exactly. So, I mean, if I, if money wasn't, if money wasn't an issue, I, I would want to do something that no one else really does. Like, I think it'd be so cool to go on like different helicopter tours of places. I mean, you know, having a drone is one thing and I do have my pilot's license, so I could do that kind of thing. But like, but being in the air yourself, being in the air yourself, not having any restrictions, just having your camera kind of leaning out somewhere. I'm not really affected by heights all that much. So I think it'd just be so cool to just be kind of like harnessed onto the side of a helicopter and <laughs> be able to take a beautiful landscape shot from there. We we're, we need to watch The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah? Yes. And it needs to be part of this podcast. Okay. Uh, Deal. There, there is one, it's, it's not like a scene, so I'm not blowing anything, but there is one shot where there's a photographer and he's taking a picture of um, a, a, a nature scene. I won't even tell you what nature scene is, but it's this epic nature scene. And he's getting an aerial shot and he's standing on top of a bi-wing plane. Is that wow. what they call bi-wing? The, the two wings like on, stacked on top of each other? I believe so, yeah. 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 And he's, he's standing on top of it. Boy, 
Wow. Would you do that? Provide, provided that you were like... Do I have a parachute? Provided that it was... <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it was safe because I doubt that there's a way that can be totally safe. But provided mm-hmm. it wasn't just you just standing there if gripping with oh, your toes. jeez. Boy, you know, I, when I say I'm not afraid of heights, I also mean when I'm harnessed down inside of a structure. If I'm going out and standing on top of the wing of something, I think that's a little different. Okay. That's fair enough. It's fair enough. But it is different than taking a drone out. It's much different. It is. I mean, with a drone, firstly, unless you're paying some seriously big bucks, you're not getting, like, full frame quality. You're not getting all the same features and options that you would have as having an actual physical camera Mm -hmm. in your hands. Plus, they're kind of cumbersome. They are a little inconvenient, at least right now. Well, I mean touchscreen controls to change literally every single thing to change your aperture you have to go into a menu inside of a setting inside of a slider for a lot of like the more common like dji mine doesn't even change the aperture i can change the shutter speed Mm -hmm. and and i might be able to change the iso with a wheel on the controller Mm -hmm. but the aperture is always stuck at 2.8 the drone that i use the mavic 2 pro is um a little bit more variable in those options and um it, it does give you some basic aperture controls i think it goes f4 to like f11 or something along those lines that's nice but i mean do do you get what i'm saying as opposed to like completely moving an index finger to scroll a dial on your slr versus it's not as aesthetically pleasing either right yes exactly more cumbersome and like you don't you don't get to touch it as much plus you ought to have a second pair of eyes a visual observer you also ought to have a very good knowledge of the airspace that you're flying in i'm talking about like just going up in a helicopter or over in a private plane and just being able to shoot and not worry about it i think that would be so cool what kind of scenes would you fly over anything but like you were mentioning cities yeah i mean that'd be kind of cool it's so cool to me to see a perspective that hasn't normally been seen before I, i i don't know like With a drone, you're legally limited to 400 feet unless you're flying in an area that's already, like, marked off by the FAA. That's for another episode of the podcast. Yeah. And you can't fly drones in national parks either. That's another point. Mm -hmm. Which I hate. Yeah. Because, oh, you could get such great shots. You could, but then you'd also be competing with the other 40 people that want to get those shots. Yeah, and, and... I remember that's going to be the through, same thing as those tripod warriors at Acadia you were yep. talking about. And, and it's true. Like the, the national parks are crazy, crazy trafficked. There are so many people who go through those parks. That's why they have so many restrictions as to like when you take something into the backcountry, you take it back out. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about like toilet paper. Oh, yeah. I'm like sure. used toilet paper. You have to take it back out. Ugh. Yeah. You have to take in a lot of baggies so you make sure that you're not. <laughs> um, I, I was reading about one particular place. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's somewhere out west in um, uh, an established Native American territory that is just this beautiful canyon with these incredible vistas. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I want to say it was used for like an apple wallpaper a few years back. But this beautiful, twisting, gorgeous canyon that it hits it when the light hits it at a specific point, it just absolutely glows. Hmm. And they would have... Uh, it's in Utah. I, I believe so. I think it's yeah. in Utah, yeah. But um, then they would have these photography tours where, you know, they let the professionals, photographers come in. They they actually would check your equipment and make sure that it's above a certain price point to make sure that you're not just a regular momtographer trying to get some cool shots. And they'd take you through these guided trails. And these people who are taking you along the trails would stop the regular tourists where they are, 
let everybody set their tripod up, get their exposure ready and everything like that, and then continue on the trail. And they just stopped doing that in favor of letting everybody kind of wander it freely. So like now you don't have the option for a tripod. You can't do long exposures just because there's so many people running around. You have to use a high ISO. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of a bit of a controversy right now, like whether or not to have these guided tours because it disrupts every other person. That's the thing. There's so many people that go to the parks that they they have to control the traffic somehow. Like you have to stay on the hiking paths because if everyone was going, I mean, the hiking paths themselves, they're 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 ruined. Like nothing can grow there. Mm-hmm. Totally packed down. Um, so they isolate it to a path because you want that to be packed down. But like, you know, if people were were you know burying toilet paper, like literally all over the place would be cat holes with toilet paper in it and drones would be flying all over the place. They right. even have, when you're driving through like Yellowstone, they have signs saying, roll your windows up, turn your music off. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even want the radio playing. In there. Well, I mean, it's also for safety reasons in a lot of places too. I mean, grizzly bears jumping in your car. Well, that's, <laughs> they, they really like the music that you're playing. So they jump in. Okay. Country bears. <laughs> Maybe, but like I, I've, I have heard stories of people in different places, uh, Yellowstone particularly, where they have these guided pathways up and people will go over and not good things happen. People will be really stupid. Like in Yellowstone, there's been people who walk up to bison. Mm-hmm. You think moose are big. You ever seen a bison? No. You, they're big. They're, <laughs> they're just like, I mean, they're, they're just like the North American version of a rhinoceros. Mm-hmm. They're huge and they're so bulky. There's people who just go up and, and pet them. Oh, look at there's these like they're basically big cows, right? No, Oof. no, it's a it's a tank with hooves and horns and a, and a biting mouth, you know. <laughs> and also, it's a herd of them. Right. <laughs> they're usually not by themselves. So wow. they're they're you're talking not just one tank. You're talking an army of them. <laughs> there, there's a lot. I love traveling though. You know, you would enjoy going to Bar Harbor. Wait, Bar have, Harbor. Have you already been to Bar Harbor? No. I'm a very sheltered boy. <laughs> well, Bar Harbor wouldn't break that. Bar Harbor is actually where, like, the city that you'd go to for, um, what do you got, lemon pulp in your... A little bit, This yeah. is just lemon pulp. It's good for little, you. A little chunk of cinnamon in there, too. Yeah, well, that's good for you, too. <laughs> Can't yeah. There's a bug in there for protein. It's all good for you. <laughs> um, Bar Harbor is where you would go to visit Acadia. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's on Mount Desert Island, which most of which is Acadia National Park. So, like, from here, it's about a 10-hour drive. Mm-hmm. For those of you listening... It's in Bar Harbor, Maine. So wherever you're at, it's that far away. If you're in California, it's on the other side of the continent. Fly there. It's worth it. You would like going to Bar Harbor, Maine and Acadia. Mm -hmm. Take your wife, go out there, spend a week if you can. Uh, We've gone out even just for like two days because it it takes a day of travel both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can go for a week, it'd be good. But it's this great little town right on the coast. And you can get like you can get lobster and seafood galore. Um, you can drive up to these beautiful spots in the park, hmm. and you don't even have to hike to them. But they do have hiking trails, and you can see even more stuff if you're willing to hike. But they don't have like a backcountry where you camp so much. It's yeah. mostly like day trips. But it's beautiful, and the shores there you get like these rocky cliffs with the ocean crashing up and the white water just shooting up like a geyser. Was it pretty easy to navigate your way through? Oh yeah, no no trouble. You and your wife went recently, right? We've we've actually I've been there three times. It was our second time as a couple going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's the Park Loop Road, and it's just it's a it's a one way road that just goes through the whole park. 
Oh, great. Most of it's one way. So you can just go on that and you can just cycle through the whole... You could drive through the whole park in like 40 minutes. Wow. On the park loop. <laughs> or you can cut in and you can go up... You can go up to Cadillac Mountain. And if you're willing to, go up to Cadillac Mountain at sunrise because that is the first point in the United States that sees the sunrise. It's the first point in the country. Oh, interesting. Yep. Every day, it's the first... At least, I'm assuming every day. I don't know how the movement of the sun affects this, but pretty sure... Every day, when the sun rises, the first place in the country that gets touched by sunlight is Cadillac Mountain. Wow. So if you're on Cadillac Mountain and you see the sunrise, you saw it before the rest of the country. Hmm. It's also uh, where a lot of people will go. So it'll be, it'll be busy. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But it's also a very big area. We did go up there recently, not at sunrise, but we realized just how big it was. And we were like, oh, we probably could have done this. And even if there were a lot of people, you could still see it. I do have one really quick question, probably before we wrap this up. I haven't really explored it too much, but uh, I know that when the solar eclipse was happening, everybody was freaking out about like, oh, don't point your camera at the sun. Don't point your camera at the sun. Obviously. But like during a sunrise and a sunset, it, it's a little less in your face and a little bit less potential for damaging your camera, if I understand too, right? I, I don't really understand that. I couldn't understand why taking a picture with your camera during an eclipse was more dangerous than just taking a picture of the sun when it's not eclipsed by the moon. Well, I mean, it's I, th I assume that it's for the same reason that it's easier to look into the sun when it's getting closer to sunrise or sunset than it is at high noon. Well, yeah, but that sunrise and sunset is just simply not as bright. Right. But I, I don't think that it's... As I understood it, people were saying that the eclipse... Like if you were taking a picture of the sun mm -hmm. for whatever reason at high noon, it would be okay in normal circumstances, but under the eclipse, it would destroy your camera, which doesn't mm. make sense to me. I suppose we'll have to look into that. I didn't risk it. Yeah. When we, we were in the last eclipse, we didn't get to see the full eclipse, but we got most of it. Right. And I, you know, I had the, the weird glasses on and we did the whole We set up a shadow. pinhole camera. Yeah, we did the pinhole camera. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it's, um, I didn't, I didn't want to risk my camera. But when you're doing a, a landscape photo, you don't really worry about pointing your camera directly at the sun? I, I haven't. I uh, haven't okay. had a problem yet. Just something I've never experimented with all that much. Have you had problems with it? Well, I guess if you haven't experimented with it, you wouldn't. No, know. not really. The, the only actual photo that I've gone out specifically to get a shot of the sun was with my cell phone camera on my honeymoon. Okay. Uh, just doing like a cheesy photo of some beach sand, a little jar as the sun's setting. Uh, and I, I specifically did not take my camera on my honeymoon because I didn't want to be obsessed with taking photos the entire time that I was there. Guilty over here. Yeah. I didn't bring my camera, but I, I, I pushed my phone to the max on my honeymoon. I did at some points as well. And um, we were in... They turned out pretty well, but... We were in like Yosemite and, you know, the Pacific Ocean coasts and mm -hmm. the sunsets are gorgeous. It was really hard not to take pictures. Yeah, I mean... We were just kind of sitting around waiting for the sunset to happen anyway. And I figured, you know what? I'm going to play around with the pro mode in my camera a little mm -hmm. bit. And you can get some pretty cool stuff out of it. You can. But that's the only time I've actually taken my camera specifically and pointed it towards the sun. I've always found that if it's behind me, that's actually the best for landscape photos. Cool. All right. Well, definitely not the direction that I assumed that this would be taking. But this was one that I'm definitely happy with uh, the outcome of. What are you taking away from this? I should visit more national parks. That's right. That's right. Then this podcast is a success. <laughs> so thanks for listening, guys. Obviously, thanks for listening to Boca Banner. And um, 
you know, this first batch is going to be coming out all at once. So if you feel like it, give it a listen. And uh, if you're already trying to catch up with us, then, you know, there's no shame in jumping to the most recent episode either. There's no real reason to listen to this in chronological order unless you're trying to go back for specific dates like talking about the New Year's or talking about Christmas or what have you. So Mm -hmm. feel free to tune in whenever you like. And if you like this, be sure to give us a good rating in iTunes and whatever else you're listening on, Stitcher or Google Play or whatnot, because that helps. And thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk to you next time.